Kia ora and welcome to another episode of How to Save the World. My name is Tim Bat. I'm Waving E. And we are still doing our record uh, through social distancing and the power of the internet. Um, it's kind of interesting doing it this way, eh, Wave? There's like a little bit of a digital lag thanks to how we connect, but um, it no, works. It's just... Yeah, it's good. It's just making us a bit more awkward than we usually are. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to do a really cool episode. Um, I've always been interested in and never done any research into how to grow my own food in the backyard in just like a typical house suburban environment in New Zealand. So we thought because we've just entered the month of May and the seasons are changing, um, that we try and get our arms around how to winter garden. And of course, Waveney is on a farm, is running a farm right now, and has got a lot of experience in this area and has extended her reach into a network of green thumbs as well to get um, the best advice. So we're going to do an episode on how to winter garden. Totally. It's, this is episodes especially for you, Tim, actually. It's like, Yay. I've just thought, well, and, and, and to be honest, it's funny that you aligned me with the, you know, more with the expert gardeners than yourself, because I totally actually would more align myself with you. I just have had, like, I have a lot of, I garden through networks of people who garden, really, rather than actually garden myself. Um, gotcha. It's something I sort of facilitate. Um, I'm terrible at it. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I guess... I've had this expectation that it shouldn't be something that takes more than five minutes a day. Uh, so this episode is really for people who think it's a quick thing, uh, don't compost properly, don't particularly love the idea of gardening. And actually, I thought, and I think heaps of people probably like this, that you can put a seedling into an abandoned old garden bed and it will have everything it needs so long as it's got sun and water. It's like, sure, why not? It's a plant. It's a chuck it in some ground and like without yeah. any understanding of feeding it because it turns out that's quite a thing well this, okay great so this is for me and for people like me and for people like you wave um who have those expectations about gardening so do, do you first want to get into like why this is important and what this is all about yeah, cool. Um, it's a good question because I think gardening and sustainability go together so much that we can actually forget to say why, like what's so important about it. It's um, yeah. it's such an important thing because it's it's really tied to climate change for a start. Your food and where it comes from is a really big part of our carbon footprint. It's about resilience, so being able to, you know, this COVID thing and realising how unstable our um, some of our big supply networks could be, just how vulnerable things are and how good it is to be local and regional and what we can find in our local areas. Um, and it's about, it's not so much about sustainability, but about nutrition and health. Um, mm. The time it takes from food to get from the ground to your plate, which is never going to be less than a few days if you're buying it through supermarkets. Sure. Um, oh, gosh, I might get some angry supermarket person saying, that's not true, we go to an amazing <laughs> effort. So sorry if that's not the case in some cases. Um, but, you know, if you garden, you take it, and we do this, it's so exciting. You just go out before dinner, grab a few leafy greens or whatever and harvest it, and it can be just a few minutes but from garden to table. Um, and then there's Which the guess- physicality. It sort of works in two ways because not only is it super fresh, so you've got like the nutrients are kind of right there and they haven't sort of seeded away from from the food as it's been taken out of the ground too long, 
but you also don't have all those processes that you have to go through to ensure something that can be traveling for that long and not wilt. Yes, actually, because, you know, a lot of the varieties that are chosen are chosen for those reasons so that they travel well and um, they last well. And sometimes that they're not the varieties that have the most nutrients or that are the best for us. Um, so sometimes it's mm. two different things. So when you're gardening for yourself, you can make different choices. Um, yeah. And then also, of course, there's the whole organic thing. And so if you're gardening yourself, you can really know what you've put into the soil, what you're eating. Um, and it's not such sort of a, it's not a blind endeavor of wondering what's been on your food. Also, I can't believe you didn't yeah. bring this one up because I was, I've been thinking about this one a lot the last week. What's, is, what's it going to be? What? I thought this was a comprehensive list. Waste. The, the amount of oh. rubbish that gets created from buying oh, stuff yeah. at the supermarket. Because I've oh, had this yeah. great control experiment at my house. My two flatmates um, have gone and joined other bubbles uh, while we've been in lockdown. So it's just been my wife and I. And oh. Um, we're still producing like a surprising amount of rubbish. And I'm like, how in the heck are we filling up these bins? Because it's just the two of us. And it's just food waste. It's just packaging. It's terrible. That's that's cool, man, because that's exactly the situation that my husband and I were in in 2007, just before we did our rubbish-free year, where we were mindful of it and we were thinking, you know, this we're sort of across it. And then you just wonder where on earth it's come from. But anyway, I digress. So nothing worse than a failed attempt. So I thought, let's get into how we garden, how we do it simply uh, so that we can facilitate success. And um, like I said, I'm not a gun gardener and I have brought in a whole bunch of like New Zealand's, some of New Zealand's best gardeners um, from around the country. And I sent them out, uh, they very graciously all replied, uh, a little survey monkey survey with like the the most, like I really forced them to choose, like what's the number one thing you would do if you only had five minutes. Um, so great bunch of people. Shall I, shall, I'll give them a wee shout out, eh? Because it's That'd kind be of great, cool for our listeners to know too who, who they are. Um so um, roughly from the north to the south, we've got Sophia Shao-Colley and Katie Ent, both market organic market gardens from Northland and Great Barrier. Judy Keats, Compost Collective. Tirada, our mate, who's already been on the show, um, from Auckland. Therese Mangos from Pacific Vision Aotearoa. Community garden legend Richard Main from Gardens for Health, uh, and then permaculture gurus Betsy Kettle, Trish Allen, uh, all from the Auckland region. Gardening writer, broadcaster, columnist, and TV presenter Linda Hellinen, uh, and she's from Hanua. Carl Freeman from Farm Next Door in the Naki Taranaki Chinese Conservation Trust, Estella Lee. Waimarama Community Garden in Nelson, the team from Organic Edible Garden, Dr. Compost Ben Elms in Central Otago, and shout-outs to the Guitans in Southland, Kate Baxter and the Kong Institute and Papatuanuku Marae, who may or may not have responded to the survey sent out because I forgot to ask people to put their name on it. And, of course, surveys are all anonymous, so... Um, but big shout-outs to everyone who... Yeah, yeah, that's right. I like that it's, it's anonymous. Cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> if anyone sees anything controversial in the garden. Um, so, and where in the country, these guys, because it's important for our listeners, um, about one third of the respondents were from the subtropical north, um, two thirds were from the temperate zone, and very relevant for the Aucklanders who might be saying, well, which one are we? Um, Auckland's kind of in the, on the boundary between those huh. two zones. Hamilton's very much um, in the temperate zone, not the subtropical. So it's why in Auckland you can grow banana pa- uh, bananas as well as apples because you're kind of a bit of a mix. Gotcha. And as for the kind of the cool mountainous south, to be honest, um, they pretty much just said, what are you joking? Like, gardening in winter so <laughs> didn't have a great response from the south we'll just say you guys just take this one out just have a cup of tea okay so the first question i asked people was so just really explicitly stating okay guys i'm starting with nothing no garden no plants no compost no time no skill where should i start and um i actually did a multi-choice it's the only question i had with a multi-choice and it was so have a think tim what you would say a do you start with a trip to the garden center b start with composting your food scraps c start with preparing a garden bed or d other please specify is it a garden bed well it's not necessarily right or wrong answer but you know my (laughs) (laughs) my thing that i have always done when I've attempted to garden is just tottle off to the garden centre, um, which turns out that is not the thing you do. And I also, um, uh, to sort of really round this out, I thought I'm going to ask all of my non-gardening friends. So I actually surveyed them as well for this. And yeah, a couple of people said, yep, go off to the garden centre. Someone said what you just said. Most people said other, and they actually said that they would start by talking to someone that they know who gardens or Googling it. Um, oh, yeah, that would that is almost like a um, take-for-granted one. Yeah. Open yeah, up Google, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, side note, I realise I have hardly any friends that don't garden. It was a bit of an eye-opener. <laughs> That's I only great. had, like, five or so people I could ask. Um, so this is what our top gardeners said. Uh, pretty much nobody said start with a trip to the garden centre. So I was like, okay, right, that, that explains a lot. Um, and there was a, a real, basically you're starting with composting your food scraps and or preparing a garden bed. It's kind of the same thing. Um, and the, there were three who said other, and that was all around, like you said, like it's kind of a foregone conclusion. So starting with a bit of research or thinking and planning or connecting with online resources or gardeners. So, yeah. it's Is there anything particular a, about what makes a garden bed a garden bed? We're just talking about a plonk of land where soil is, right, where you can plant stuff. <laughs> uh, no. Like it's this, and that's such a good question because it's the heart of why I think some people have so-called green fingers um, and others don't. It's it's sure it's a physical space, but it's it's not just the dirt. You don't just put stuff in the dirt that you've got. You actually have to do stuff. You've got to prepare something, and you've got to kind of make the soil a bit more of an inviting, alive place for a plant. How do I do that? Well, um, 
I have found in the past with all my ex- wonderful gardening friends that they've got these expectations that a basic thing is to spend an hour a day in the garden or whatever um, and they start getting into crop rotation and everything pretty fast. And so I said to these guys, what is the absolute minimum viable product for eating just a few humble veggies um, as soon as possible out of a garden? And and I wanted to know about the amount of time you might have to spend or your inputs, the cost, equipment, space, that kind of stuff. Um, On one hand, it's like, is it easy or is it not? Um, yeah. Because, the, yeah, like the less time you put into it, the more chance of failure. But the simplest thing, like quite a few people said, just go and grab a packet of seeds and get yourself a container of any type, um, like an old, preferably not going and buying a new plastic thing, but you might have something, you might have an old bucket lying around or whatever. Yeah. 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 Even some of the containers we chuck out in the recycling, you can actually use. Um, and then go and get yourself some soil, any old soil uh, from the garden centre, um, like a bag of potting mix or something like that. That is probably the absolute minimum viable product. Um, but if you've got a bit of earth, um, even if you've got like a square metre, there's a whole gardening philosophy based around square metre gardening, or actually oh. square foot because it comes from the States. Um, I don't, that's really worth checking out. I'm going to – be throwing a whole bunch of stuff into the show notes. Um, but squarefootgardening.org is great. Re- like, it's totally bulletproof, step-by-step step for beginners. Awesome. So, um, yeah, that's a pretty cool place to start. But then this was my favorite answer. It's kind of like next level, and it's about – it's a DIY version of what you can sort of do to put input into soil to get started. Um and it's about uh, sheet mulching. Basically, you start with some cardboard, chuck it on the ground, and if there's any weeds underneath that, then it, the fact that you've just put, you've blocked them from the light will kill them, and it ah. means you don't have to sort of dig anything out, and you get to use the carbon from that plant because um, once it's died, it's just carbon, and you can use that carbon's great in the garden. So you kind of get to use it as a resource. So you put the carb- cardboard down, and then you just are grabbing whatever you can. This is why bakashi or worm farming so good because you can throw that stuff on. But to be honest, you can even just put your food scraps down. Great time of year for autumn leaves. Throw them on. Throw your lawn clippings on. So you kind of make a bit of a lasagna um, of organic material. And oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and then all you do is you can wait because you can't. You have to wait for that stuff to turn into soil. Uh, you know, like the worms and stuff, got to do their magic. But actually, if you want to just do it all on the same day, you can just dig a hole through your cardboard, throw in some regular soil and plant your plant directly in that. And then by the time the roots have gone through that, uh, the rest of what you've done on that sheet mulching should have hopefully turned into some really nice soil and you'll have some nice nutrients for your plants. Awesome. I love this. This is so much easier than having to get on my hands and knees and like weed out all of the weeds from the garden. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, side note, the recycling market's totally dropped out for cardboard, so may as well use it at home rather than trying to send it off somewhere to be recycled. Um, it's heaps better use for it. 
particularly if there's a bunch of worms and compost going on top of that, that's just going to break down over time in the soil, right? Yes, yes. It's it's carbon. It's really like this is the stuff that's in our atmosphere causing a huge problem, and that's the stuff that should be in our soil. Um, so it's a really, really great place to put it. Awesome. Okay, this is cool. I can do this. I'm feeling empowered because I actually I can follow that. I've got a specific <laughs> bit of my garden in mind, so like mentally, I'm, oh, cool. I'm doing all the steps in the specific bit. Oh, nice, nice. Yes, that's pre-contemplation. Um, I hope that you get there um, and put the spade in the ground at some point. Yeah, I'll show you. Well, I've got to get a Yay. spade first. I actually looked for one last weekend because <laughs> I ran out of jobs around the house. Turns out we don't have one. Ha. <laughs> Um, yeah, actually, uh, I did ask for, uh, you know, a broad range of what is the minimum viable product, and I, I kind of mentioned tools, but the only tool anyone mentioned, they just said, oh, a garden fork could be handy. Oh, great. Okay. So minimal outlay for tools. Yeah. I would say, a, a you know what a trowel is? I'm never sure if I say yeah. that word right. Yeah. A little yeah. trowel would be good, or a spade or whatever. Yeah. Great. So um, I guess the next question I have is like, what should I actually be planting, especially at mm. this time of year? What should I be putting mm. into this um, this prepared area now? Well, I did ask, and um, I, again, I made I made them say if you could only plant two or three things, um, what would you plant? Um, and the surefire winners is definitely beetroot and I recall that mm. from when I was a kid um, so we had a pretty basic garden and we managed to grow beetroot all year round once you've honestly Tim if that's all you even plant you just can't go wrong it's super hearty yeah. eh in terms yes. of the plant yeah, yeah, really. Oh, it's hardy. Yeah, yeah, sorry, hardy. <laughs> um, and then broad beans are a really good one this time of year too. You can And they've got a nice big easy seed that you can just plant straight in the ground. Um, uh, any leafy greens, um, they're quite, a lot of people said leafy greens. Uh, and then herbs, like pasta. Herbs, herbs and leafy greens are really hard to kill and they're just incredibly convenient to have too because you don't sort of tend to want to buy My them. My coriander them. begs to differ. Oh yeah, no, so true. That's Don't start there. Nightmare. <laughs> um, someone suggested garlic chives which I thought was quite a cool suggestion too and spring onions. So all nice, easy, easy things and oh, someone even said, which I love this because it was totally left field, they just said dig some holes for fruit trees. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I guess it takes such a long time that, yeah, you can kick that off in winter. Exactly. Um, and then you can start throwing whatever fruit, uh, compost in it and stuff, and it'll be nicely broken down. But anyway, um, so then if you're feeling a bit more confident or, or patient, I suppose, um, people suggest, and this is, I personally wouldn't start here if you really were zero but then you've got to plant what you love and if you are a patient person and you're not into instant gratification then carrots broccoli cauliflower heaps of people suggested those um cabbage beans celery garlic do you get a sense of how long it does take like say for carrots for example to to cultivate some carrots get them to a point where you can eat them 
Yeah, oh, I don't know. I think it's a couple of months. But then winter, think of it as like a, someone called it the refrigerator. Your, your garden is like your refrigerator over winter. Things really slow down. They basically stop. Um, but if they're there, you can just they'll just stay there. And then after spring, they can get going and get growing again. Or you can harvest all through winter if things are big enough. So winter aside, I think maybe you're looking at I think it's two or three months for a carrot. But the thing is, oh, that's yeah, all good. it's not too bad. Uh, um, well, maybe, yeah. And But the thing is, is you've got to start from, you actually have to sow seeds in the ground because carrots do not transplant. Trans- Sorry, what do you mean by that? They oh, don't transplant. Um, so you can't buy a punnet of seedlings and um, put them in the ground. You've got to do it. You've got to put the seeds straight in. Um, oh, yes. Gotcha. What was got really interesting with our gun gardeners when I said, okay, guys, what if you could only plant one thing? And they basically all said the same thing. Can I take a guess? Yeah, yeah. Is it silver beet? Basically, yes. They all said some variety of leafy green, and silver beet is a leafy green. In fact, by name, four people chose silver beet as their number one. That's a real wintry, uh, I've, got, I've got that association in my head. I may not know anything about gardening, but I do know silver beet couples <laughs> up with winter. Yeah, and um, there's like kale, that was another popular suggestion, if you could only grow one thing, um, spinach, perpetual spinach, salad green mix, um, which you can just get a packet of that stuff. Um, there's such a thing called winter lettuce, which are a bit more hardy in winter. Um, and herbs. A lot of people said you can't kill them and they stick around pretty much forever. So just grow some herbs. Awesome. Like rosemary, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. They're so hardy. Great. Better than nothing, eh? Just chucking a rosemary plant in or a thyme plant or something like that. And I imagine that it makes it a more fertile place for other stuff to grow later. Is that right? It sort of breaks breaks things down, breaks the soil down? It can be. Yeah, totally. Actually, I'm going to throw in my own piece of advice here too. If you're really, this is my motto, if you're a really bad gardener, just grow things that grow like weeds. Like parsley grows like weeds. Fennel actually is a weed. Nasturtiums, they're great. You can eat those things and why not? Great. I love that. If you just want to see something happen. <laughs> well, but, but I mean, why start with the fancy things? Like if it grows like a weed but you can eat it, um, then grow it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. That's a great starting point. Nasturtium flowers are beautiful in salads. Um, really cool. Awesome. So, um, here, can I tell you something that I think about growing foods and growing anything, right? And what, yes. and how this leads on to like what we might need in, in the home garden. So, I know that you need seeds, and I know that the seeds need sunlight and water, and that if you're doing food, generally speaking, you'd use a fertilizer. But I know that you're very mm. anti fertilizer, and it's not true. Inorganic fertilizers. Yeah, synthetic fertilizers. Yeah. So did you yeah. did you um talk to the gardeners at all about th- things like natural fertilizers or I guess compost is how that works? Like how, tell me about that yeah, bit of it. Yeah. I I I I did actually. I I couldn't help myself. I, it's kind of like the special how to save the world question, isn't <laughs> it? It's just because you're gardening are you really saving the planet? Yeah. 
um, because, you know, especially for a beginner gardener or someone who just wants it instant and easy, you're almost guaranteed to be going and getting single-use plastic with your, you know, your bag of compost or your seedling punnets. And it's plastic that is that pretty much can't be meaningfully recycled. Mm. Um, so there's that sort of balance, I think. And then there's the – if you're buying commercially non-organic food – um, there are some very strict regulations there around how much pesticides and herbicides farmers can use. If you're growing yourself at home and you've got no idea um, and you can just go and buy all of that same stuff straight off the shelf from um, the garden centre, you can, and this I've heard of this before, uh, that you can actually end up with food that is way more toxic than what you would buy off the supermarket because no one's regulating you and you've really got not much idea what you're doing. Of course, right. So how do we avoid yeah, doing I don't so, want to poison um, myself, Wave. What do I do? <laughs> um, so I, I did ask our gun gardeners and it was a cool range of responses. Um, a couple of people were on the end of, look, just start. You don't, don't sort of have this big barrier, which I've experienced myself actually trying to garden zero waste, mm-hmm. which is a nightmare. I don't know if I'd recommend it or not because it's been a huge barrier over the years. Um, so some people just said, look, just start, learn by doing. Um, but most people said, yeah, it really does matter. Um, and the trick is, well, this is cool because I loved it. I loved it when they all said the same thing. I was like, oh, oh I'm onto something. Um, so pretty much they all said that healthy plants don't really need anything. They don't need sprays. They don't need um, to have pest control or anything like that. Um, so it's all about having a healthy plant. And it seems like there's a couple of um, suggestions that were coming up over or advice that was coming up over and over. I guess it makes... One is just to plant the... That makes perfect sense. Like if you're getting something that's, you know, being planted at the right time of year and it's supposed to be in this place, then it's going to (laughs) grow. If you have to add a bunch of stuff, it's probably indicative that you shouldn't be growing that thing in that place. Yeah, exactly. Actually, that's exactly what I was about to say, that there's, there's kind of two, two, two main ways to get a healthy plant, and that's one of them. You, you're picking the right thing at the right time, um, the right place. And that's thinking about sun and if it's going to be waterlogged. Like some plants love a bit of shade mm. and they, they, they enjoy being waterlogged. Um, so just Google it, and I think going back to just, if you really are Billy Basic just starting, just do one thing and get it right. Um, so... And the, the, the other, so that's kind of a bit easier, I think, that one. And the second one is uh, this conceptual shift that we all have to make if we want to have any success in a garden. And that is that um, plants are healthy if the soil's healthy. And then taking it a bit further, um, thinking of it as you're not actually really feeding and looking after your plants, but you're feeding and looking after your soil. Ah, that's nice. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm saying this because I've made the transition and it was a bit of an eye-opener, thinking that soil isn't like little dead brown building blocks of sand and clay and long dead leaves, et cetera, you know. It's, it's that, that, thinking that is the same as like an enormous alien looking down on us and thinking that humans are houses. Right. <laughs> we're we're <laughs> completely not comprehending the life that's going on inside of the stuff. Yeah, so soil isn't that 
it isn't dead sort of bits of building blocks. Soil is a community of living microbes, and there should be. And we've said this in the soil episode. I really recommend that people go back and listen to that if because we're skipping over it here. But um, if you want to check out our soil episode, we really get into this. Um, there should be more microbes in a handful of soil than there are people on the planet. And each one of those microbes has a specific job. Like, for example, minerals. Sometimes we say, oh, the, the soils doesn't have this particular mineral. Actually, sometimes it does. But what it doesn't have is the specific microbe that will deliver it to the plant. Microbes do everything. They hold the water, they feed the plants, they sequester the carbon, and, they, and it's carbon that locks in nitrogen, and it's nitrogen that grows plants. So... It all comes down to those little microbes. And as soon as you go, oh, I've got a disease, and you go and spray it with some sort of a side, you know, herbicide, pesticide, fungicide, um, it kills not just that target problem or pest, but it destroys or attacks the microbe community. And it's very hard to get healthy soil when that's your baseline for gardening. And so you end up with more problems with your plants and then you sort of get into a bit of a spiral. So the big question is, how do you get healthy soil? I'm waiting on bated breath here because I've got an assumption about this, right? Well, tell me, what is it? I reckon it's all about like almost increasing the diversity of stuff that's going in there. So making sure that you've got good compost that's been maturing for a while and got a lot of food scraps in there and just soil that's got a lot of bits in it, for lack of a better term. Am I warm? (laughs) Well, I just honestly, I just think it's the blind leading the blind at this point because it (laughs) sounds really good what you've just said. But basically diversity of stuff that you put in because it is... More or less right, I think, Tim. Like, it, and it goes back to where if we go back to that multi-choice question right at the start, where people, are, where these gardeners are recommending that we start, and that is with the composting and with garden beds. And basically, it's two sides of the same coin because you you need to do basically some sort of a sheet mulch, I think, to get going. Um, and uh, to do a sheet mulch, I kind of touched on this before, but you you need a diversity, going back to your point, of organic material. The, the most basic thing you could do before you even think about sheet mulching is just to actually dig a trench and then you put your food scraps in it. There's a lot of people used to garden like that. Like so people have memories of their grandparents trenching um, huh. before we kind of got into more fancy uh, you know other systems, but trenching yeah. is like the. It, if we're looking at minimum viable product, that's a great basic basic thing that you can do. You just dig a you just dig a trench, and then every um, whenever your compost, uh, you know your food scrap bins full in the kitchen, you just walk out, you put it in the trench that you've already pre-dug. When that trench is full, you just cover it over with the soil, um, and then you dig a new trench, and then um, I suppose you have to wait a few weeks and then um, you're able to start planting into your old trench. That makes perfect sense. I imagine Mm. you'd have like an explosion of life going on if you're just putting food scraps, you know, diverse bunch of organic material in your garden. So basic. Um, And then, of course, the sheep mulching, which we've already mentioned. Um, And that can just use almost anything lying around. And I reckon your point about diversity is really key. There's There's this 
kind of a basic underlying principle with sheet mulching and also with composting on getting a balance between carbon and nitrogen. And you can just think of it as the nitrogen is the usually wet, usually recently dead, like say an orange peel. Um, and or is that carb- like fresh, fresh yes. grass clippings going yes. in that category yes. as well? Yep, yep, yep. And, um, and then carbon is the long dead stuff like cardboard or dry crunchy leaves um and that's so you just really look around and you can you really don't even have to leave the property to find a whole bunch of stuff it's may so autumn leaves uh food scraps cardboard lawn clippings um if you're getting really excited you can and after lockdown you can go and grab coffee grinds from cafes go and get seaweed from the beach um yeah I think you taught me this, a good um, mnemonic is green stuff and brown stuff. Totally. Because <laughs> it even works for the grass clippings in that when they're freshly cut, they're like a nitrogen source, but then if they've been sitting around for a while and they go brown, don't they then become a carbon they do. source? They do. It's like I go somehow, I think of the, I always imagine the nitrogen like some sort of spirit leaving the body. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you do have to take it with a grain of salt because some of the, like coffee, for example, coffee grinds, are brown and, but they're actually green, they're nitrogen. Gotcha. Anyway. Um, so, okay. I don't know if you looked into this much with these people, but do do you, do you, did you find out much or do you know yourself much about the kind of, um, you know, times to plant and. Uh, I mean, we've talked a little bit about what sort of plants we should be putting in into the soil in May, but did you talk about seasonal stuff much with these people? Yeah, um, I did. I thought it would be quite cool to focus on winter gardening since we're going into winter here in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, and there's some pros and cons, it turns out, like some really obvious ones, like there's a lot of water around and then a obvious con is that there's not much sun, things don't grow fast. But because of that, there's actually not very many diseases. So in some ways, it's actually a really good time for a beginner gardener to start. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then the only big exception to that would be it's slug and snail season. Um, and I ended up having quite a funny conversation, actually, with Tirada about that. Um, because I said, oh, I'm so excited. I've just been out last night getting some slugs, you know, with a torch. That's when you go out, by the way. You go out at night with a torch. Um, and it is kind of fun in a macabre way, you're collecting all of these slugs and snails. And then um, in the morning... What I are you get collecting them, to... them for? Well, well you get, you're taking them off your plants. Oh, so okay. So, you're so, kind that of... they don't, so that they don't eat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, and I said to him, oh, I'm so excited because um, we've just got chickens and it's the first time that I've been able to take my slugs and snails and then actually feed them to the chickens and so feeling like it's a good use of them. And I was excited because like, we both felt really terrible about, like, without chickens, what do you do with them? Like, how do you kill yeah. them? And we just sort of didn't really feel like it was these methods that we've we've employed they didn't feel very value aligned um it's sort of awkward thing you've got these well-intentioned greenies like bashing things to death or drowning them or god i know um you weren't salting them doesn't that kill them 
I haven't done that, but um, it's quite an interesting question not to do with them. I have to admit that those tiger slug, they are too big for me to bash and back in the day before I had chickens. And so, um, to be honest, I used to put them on the road. <laughs> That's awful. I can see what you're saying about not being particularly no, valuable. No, anyway, it's a horrible thing. <laughs> so if any listeners got any great suggestions for how you ethically kill your slugs and snails without a chicken... Um, you know, chicken seems like a great solution if you've got them because it's all cycle of life. Yeah, that's really good. I don't have chickens. Mm. I would love to. Maybe this is the good excuse to get chickens, though, because I've wanted to get some chickens for ages. Yeah, you should. You've, your backyard's big enough. You don't need much. Um, have enough. Have as, have enough chickens so that if you're living in an urban space, you can give eggs to your neighbours and they won't complain. <laughs> that's good. They don't cause much of a ruckus, <laughs> eh? Unless you've got a rooster. Uh, yeah, unless you've got a rooster. So, I mean, some neighbours just get upset because they can cluck quite industriously when they're laying their eggs. Gotcha, gotcha. But um, yeah, in terms of what you can plant this time of year, um, broad beans are a real winner and pretty much leafy greens as well. Um, and root vegetables, they'll carry on growing over winter, but just expect things to slow down um, and maybe not grow too much. Like us all. Like I don't really, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm <laughs> going a lot slower without the, the hot temperatures and the sun out. Oh, actually, look, have we got time for me just to say that this is the first year ever, I'm in my 40s, first year ever I've been looking forward to winter and I'm like trying to work out why. And I've realised it's because I'm now living on this permaculture farm and having this whole new experience. I've always been urban and in, in summer usually it's just swanning around. It's on the beach and just enjoying life. And I've just had the most intense four months of harvest. It's just like you're exhausted. It's like, oh, when are the plums going to finish? Oh, no, now these apples. Oh, no, now these pears. Oh, no. And it's just gone on and on and on. And I'm just actually, anyway, really looking forward to winter and just <laughs> nothing slowing down, recovering from a yeah. manic harvest. Well, you're yeah. doing it right. You're actually following the natural cycle that that's, every other I know, living that's thing what I thought. does. I, was quite, I know. I was quite excited to realise it. Um, it feels like a really nice basic thing to just be looking forward to chilling out rather than being sad um, that I can't hang out at the beach. Well, um, this, is, this has been really cool to hear that I don't know. I kind of thought going into this, it might be a really stupid time to start growing stuff. We'll start thinking about making a garden at home for this reason, that it's cold and we're mm. going into winter and that. But um, mm. that has been well and truly dispelled. Yeah. And this whole starting with green leafy things um, is totally awesome for me personally because I for a start I love leafy greens and trying to buy that sort of stuff zero waste is the hardest like mm. oh, you can always go and pick out your carrots without a bag and put them in your own but very hard to get lettuces or spinach or that sort of stuff um, in supermarkets without plastic and it's the stuff that wilts as well so if you've and actually with with lockdown it's been amazing um, because I haven't really needed to go to the supermarket um, because I've got, I can buy things like eggs or potatoes or whatever. That I, Those things will last for a month, no problem. Um, but the leafy greens, they really only last for a few days. So yeah. I just think if that's all you've got, I, I feel like that's like 
you're 80% of the, the gain, great place to start. That's awesome. Um, is mm. there, what, else, what else do we need to cover while we're talking about this stuff? Um, well, I did ask people for if they could just recommend one thing, um, what they would recommend. Um, so I can fire through a couple of those and the rest will be in the show notes. Um, so one of the very cool uh, people I spoke with was Carl Freeman from Farm Next Door. He's a market gardener in Taranaki um, and they have got a great website and they're going to be sharing a lot of inspiration soon is coming, they said, um, because they farm on just a quarter of an acre, which is or is it a half acre but it's not much anyway and they're making mm. a living out of something that most people just consider a backyard um so they're cool there's grow inspired with clear mummery and organic edible garden.co.nz so many cool resources um how to grow your own food is actually a real book published in hamilton and so great for the uh the waikato um and ediblebackyard.co.nz actually have a, uh, this is going back to your question, what to grow in winter by region. They go through the regions. So oh, definitely chuck that in. That's awesome. cool, eh? Yeah. yeah, that's really useful. Um, and the best of the rest from around the world, there's the squarefootgardening.org that I mentioned. Um, really worth, especially if you're a methodical person and you just want to be told what are the steps? It is such a good resource. Um, um, Elliot Coleman's book, Four Season Harvest, um, works really well for the South Island because um, that's Russian and Maine, USA, so it's similar sort of a climate yeah. in some places. And then someone suggested Charles Dowding on YouTube. I hadn't heard of him. He's from the UK. Checked him out. Huge following online. Um, also a market gardener in a really small space. Um, and then one blessed soldier said, don't overthink it. Stuff grows just by seeds. So Love that. There you go. Just, That's my kind of just person. Just start. Whoever yeah, sent that yeah. in, thank and, you. <laughs> and so that, that person also said that, and this is me, my goodness, said that Googling can be your friend but can also be like going down a garden wormhole. Um, so well, I think this is great that you have managed to find some sites you've sifted through i feel like the search results and found some really useful sites so i mean god by all means go do your googling but if you can't be bothered trying to sort out the wheat from the chafe online as it were as it is um (laughs) just look in the show notes it's gold yeah like we've we've, I've, i've interviewed some of New Zealand's best gardeners and I've forced them to just choose the one plant and the one resource. So it's, yeah, it's real. And it's specific for us here in New Zealand. But if you are listening from overseas, then so much of the stuff's applicable wherever you are. Um, but it's nice for us in New Zealand for a change, isn't it, to have something that's just for us and not have to always <laughs> turn the seasons upside down mentally in your head. Yeah. Um, Um, So just closing comment, um, I said to our gardeners, um, what is the one thing that you'd most like to say to a keen but isolated, time-poor, ground-zero gardener? Um, So should we finish with that, Tim? Just a few of the encouraging things they said. I feel like you're talking directly to me now, please. Well, Tim, uh, firstly, lots of encouragement for getting over the no idea what you're doing barrier which is a genuine barrier um so 
people just saying, check out, just even Googling, just YouTube videos, webinars, um, talk to your neighbour who's got a good garden, or your auntie, that's me, Amy, and others. <laughs> um, just check out local Facebook groups um, and maybe just start again. That was a really common Four people actually said that when I said, what's, you know, your, your one thing that you'd say, they ju they just start. Um, yeah. And then practical advice, a couple of people, only a couple of people actually thought to be practical at this point. Um, <laughs> and the, I, I like this one. Uh, really good for me because it's something I haven't clocked. Check in with your garden every day. Now that doesn't mean that we have to get out there for an hour every day? No, no, check it. Like, go, Good. just actually look carefully at it. Um, do you remember Di Henwood talking about this? He was so, um, when we had him on ages ago, he talked about mindfulness and about the difference between walking home with his uh, child uh, and just observing things and looking at the trees. And so it's, it's about that. It's just about going, oh, there's a little bug on that plant. or Oh, something's eaten it. Or, oh, it looks like it's fallen over or whatever. Um, just checking in every day, not like every week. I imagine that would be a really nice thing to do, especially if it was like after work, you know, come and see how everything's yeah. progressing and just check in with yeah. your space find a time and this time of year um, I keep forgetting actually but um, in fact I think I might put a reminder on my phone it's sort of around nine o'clock or whatever um, go out with a torch and um, go find those slugs and snails like fairly regularly um, and I you that is something you can grow to love it's kind of fun I had heard that <laughs> if you put eggshells on top of your plants that keeps the bugs away, uh, the the slugs away rather, because it cuts them. Yes, um, I have watched a slug crawl up and over, like their belly rubbed over the sharp edge of a shell. I've watched it happen. And I thought, right. oh, is it going to slice in half? Nothing. But Nothing. apparently, all of that stuff. Because these other oh, and I'll put a link again um, for some good tips and like you can have bear traps and uh, shells and gravel, all sorts of things you can put down and they're more deterrents uh, and you can also make little attractive houses for slugs and snails so that all you have to do is like pick up the, say the, the upside down pot and they're just all in there um, so there's lots of quite practical things you can do in that front as well but I didn't sort of want to overload you sure. with information Um <laughs> And some motivation, um, a couple of people threw in um, actually just inspiration, which is a great way to end. And so let's end here. Your rewards will be many times the efforts they've put in. Love it. Thank you so much, Wave. And thank you very much to all of those people who volunteered their time to help us out with this stuff and give us the expert information that they've gleaned over the years. I'm going to yeah. um, try and grow some stuff in my yard now. Great. Well, you're very accountable saying that online. So let's see how you go. Oh, because how's the house cleaning? That's still working well for you? Yeah, it's good. I've been um, noticing the wash powder that you left at my place because I've obviously put all my clothes through multiple cycles with it now. It's working really well. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Awesome. Well, there you go. It's little baby steps. Hooray. 